Hello and welcome, friends, back to the court of the Trashy Royals, our weekly exploration of our betters behaving terribly. My name is Stacy. Alicia here. Thanks for joining us today for some more nobles behaving naughtily. Naughtily. So naughtily. This week we're gonna we're gonna stitch a few things together in our timeline. We have been hanging out with the uh, trashy Romanovs mm-hmm. throughout the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries. Great way to beat the heat wave. Focus on Russia. <laughs> Last week we dropped the episode of our mysterious monk Alexander the First to. May or may not have noped out of being emperor in 1825. Alexander I had a goddaughter, Princess Alexandrina Victoria of Kent, named after Alex the One. Princess Victoria was born May the 24th, 1819, just a few years before the death or mysterious transition to monkhood sure. for Alexander. It was 1825, I think. Here we want to tie in our spider web of nobles behaving naughtily with a journey back to the other side of Europe. We're going to head to merry old England today before the birth of Princess Victoria, who was never supposed to, should have never been queen. Queen Victoria was on the throne from 1837 to 1901, but again, never supposed to be queen. How do we make it from Princess Victoria to Queen Victoria? The answer is all of her trashy uncles. Today we're going to visit with the Hanoverians. Let us in on to the story of the sons of George III, the trashy uncles of Queen Victoria, and her very unlikely path to the throne. do I have it right that George III, who was many things, but perhaps was not the greatest father in the world because all of his kids ended up being kind of dirtbags? Well, George III and Queen Charlotte had 15 kids. 13 survived to adulthood. Hmm. So you wouldn't think that Queen Victoria, the daughter of the fourth son, but the fifth child of King George III and Queen Charlotte, should have never even been close to the top of the line. This is not technically a story about George III. Technically, it's a story about a lot of people. We're going to talk about a lot of names. It's going to be real high level because all of these folks really could have their own standalone Trashy Royals episode. Again, today, 50,000 foot view level. Very high. An altitude they could not achieve in George's day. Not then. Well... King George was a little mad. He may have gotten that high. I'm not sure. Okay, again, Princess Victoria, daughter of the fourth son of King George III and Queen Charlotte. So technically, Victoria's father has an older sister and her offspring that would not have been in line before Prince Edward, Duke of Kent and his offspring, all three of Prince Edward's older brothers and their offspring would have been. Prince Edward, Duke of Kent, is Victoria's father. Sorry, I should have prefaced that. 
His older sister, whose name is Princess Charlotte, never had kids. So for Princess Victoria of Kent to become queen, it meant that, no, you ready for the keyword here? Legitimate heirs had hmm. been born or survived from King George III's oldest four children. We, legitimate. We like that qualifier of legitimate here on trashy royals. That's it. So again, King George III, Queen Charlotte had 15 kids, 13 that survived to adulthood. Your division on that number is six girls, seven boys. Quick listing here of all those kiddos. George, Frederick, William, Charlotte, Edward, Augusta, Elizabeth, Ernest, Augustus, Adolphus, Sophia, Octavius, Alfred, Amelia, and Mary. It is not important to know all of their names, but it is important to know the oldest sons because they are the ones most relevant to Mm -hmm. the succession. Yeah, they typically succeed, yeah. All right. Oldest son number one, George, Prince of Wales. George will later become King George IV. George, Prince of Wales... Also the father of Princess Charlotte, who would have been queen had she not died in childbirth. Okay. Tough going back in the day. We're going to unpack all these in further detail, but just want to get through the pack of sons here. Oldest son, George, Prince of Wales, should have gone to his daughter, Charlotte. Charlotte dies in childbirth. Number two, Prince Frederick, Duke of York and Albany. Prince Frederick was the heir presumptive to his older brother, George, who was Prince of Wales and became King George IV. Prince Frederick was heir presumptive from his father's death in 1820 until Prince Frederick's own death from dropsy in 1827. Do we know what dropsy is? It may have to do with gout. I'm trying to pull back in all of my research. An old term for the swelling of soft tissues due to the accumulation of excess water. I mean, again, dropsy sounds like a pretty made-up thing they use for a lot of things. I I thought it was gout. I think today we call it congestive heart failure. Oh, well, that's a more fancy term. Okay, third son, third up. Prince William, Duke of Clarence. Prince William will later become King William IV. Fourth son, Edward, Duke of Kent. This is the father of Mm -hmm. Queen Victoria. Edward would have been in line to the throne ahead of his daughter, but Edward dies in 1820, shortly after Princess Victoria's birth. Okay. Last son, fifth son, Ernest, Duke of Cumberland and King of Hanover. Ernest was the heir to the throne in line directly after Victoria. This is really, really important because Ernest, I want you to think about the twirling mustache. He's a villainous character, trashy lifestyle and reputation. And Ernest, Duke of Cumberland, really, really, really wants to be king. And the only thing that's standing in his way is his dumb baby niece, Victoria. Many folks believed that Ernest plotted to kill Victoria to clear a way for him to take the throne. Hmm. So little Princess Alexandrina Victoria of Kent would have likely never even been born if the race to bear the heir to the throne 
had not been something Edward Duke of Kent and his siblings are all competing to do. Sounds like a comfy Thanksgiving dinner table to me. Well, Victoria had that cousin, Princess Charlotte. Mm -hmm. She was the daughter of King George IV. And with her death, it sort of left the question of succession up in the air. Mm -hmm. So George IV, while still Prince of Wales, served as regent from his father from 1811 until his death in 1820 due to illness, before essentially ascending the throne when his father dies. George III, Mad King George. Mm -hmm. Potentially Porphyria. His son is handling the country for the decade before George's death. Now, just a quick note here about the Charlottes, because we've heard about a few Charlottes. The name Charlotte can be confusing. There are a lot of Charlottes in this time. There are three main Charlottes you're going to hear about in the following story. Number one, Queen Charlotte. This is Princess Charlotte of Mecklenburg-Streitz, who married King George III. Second Charlotte is Charlotte, Princess Royal, and eventual Queen of Württemberg through marriage. This Princess Charlotte is the eldest daughter of King George III and Queen Charlotte. She's the sister to Edward, Duke of Kent, the future Queen Victoria's father. She's a minor character in Victoria's story. The other Princess Charlotte, again, the daughter and only child of King George IV. This would be Queen Victoria's first cousin. Princess Charlotte was the much-loved heir to the throne. She will marry Leopold, the King of the Belgians. This is Queen Victoria's maternal uncle. Princess Charlotte does die in childbirth in 1817. The entire nation mourns her death, and her death in 1817 is what sparks this race to bear mm -hmm. the heir thing. Victoria was born as a result of this in 1819. I hope you're sitting down. Let's talk about Queen Victoria's trashy uncles. To begin, King George III's children were all known for their philandering and their extravagant spending. Some of them did have more likable personalities than others, but universally, all of them were pretty disliked by the English people and absolutely detested by Parliament. Why do you think that is? Flagrant spending, right? Yeah, Parliament's like, I'm not going to give you any more mm -hmm. money. Quit gambling. All of the sons of George III <laughs> do rack up tremendous debts. They were also publicly promiscuous. They engaged in debauched behavior without any shame or effort to disguise it. So just a bunch of entitled, rich, snotty kids, basically. A little bit. Welcome to Trashy Royal Uncles. They're all greedy and selfish and demanding, and that's on a good day. Some accounts even go so far as to say that the sons of King George III had the English population closer to a revolution than at any time since the English Civil Wars. Wow. It was bad. It was bad. So let's talk about trashy uncle numero uno, George IV. Now, to be fair, as Prince of Wales growing up, George was treated rather harshly by his father. The king had extremely high expectations of his son George because he's the heir to the throne. 
The thing with George being the oldest son, unfortunately for him, everybody liked his charming and handsome younger brother Frederick a little bit better. So George will rebel against the control that his father, the king, has exerted over him. George wants to do this by not marrying a princess that his parents have chosen for him. Oh, the games people play. So George, Prince of Wales, at the age of 16, has fallen in love. He has fallen in love with his sister's 23-year-old governess. Her name is Mary Hamilton. George, Prince of Wales, writes Mary Hamilton many admiring letters, and obviously this relationship did not work out. George, throughout the rest of his remaining teen years and early 20s, is going to have some insignificant affairs. He's going to gamble a lot. So much, in fact, that by the time he is 22, George, Prince of Wales, is almost 300,000 pounds in debt. Oh, my God. No wonder Parliament's like, you guys suck. This would be 50 million pounds in today's money. If he doesn't sound like Prince Charming yet, let me tell you that Prince George had also been blackmailed by one of his particularly disgruntled mistresses. For whatever reason, maybe just despite his father, Prince George had no desire to have legitimate children so they could be the heir to the throne. It was his father's tyrannical control that prompted the Royal Marriages Act. <coughs> gotcha. George III was so upset by the secret marriages of some of his siblings that he passed a law that stated that no descendant of King George II, his father, could marry without the consent of the sovereign and approval of the parliament. So this would apply to his children as well, also descendants. Absolutely. You betcha. The Royal Marriages Act was decreed in 1772 by George III, and this is actually the law that prevented, way in the future, Princess Margaret from marrying Peter Townsend without giving up her royal title and income. Parliament and ultimately Queen Elizabeth II would not approve of Princess Margaret marrying a divorcee. George III is the one who enacts the mm -hmm. Royal Marriages Act. Consequences. So what happens when George is 23? He falls madly in love with the blonde, bosomy, twice-widowed Catholic Maria Fitzherbert. As the Prince of Wales, there were not a whole lot of women who refused the prince sexually, but Maria Fitzherbert refused him not only sexually, but in all the ways, at least initially. Instead of the prince just walking away, cutting his losses, nah, this makes him even more lusty with desire for Maria Fitzherbert. So George is going to come up with a plan. He's going to trick her into marrying him by pretending to be on his own deathbed. Oh, my God. Okay, tell me more. So the couple marries, uh-oh, without the king's permission in 1785. And as a result of fraud, so... Fraud. And again, due to the Royal Marriages Act, as well as the Act of Settlement of 1701, which bars any member of the royal family from marrying a Catholic. Yeah, that's a thing. 
this marriage was illegal and never recognized. The king finds out. <laughs> it's not great. King George finds out about his eldest son's marriage and outraged is a kinder word. He's furious with Prince George. And so the king will cut off all of his funding, which causes the prince debt to skyrocket. It was 50 million Mm. Wow. Now, it is unknown whether the couple had one or two children together, but George moved in with Maria Fitzherbert and they had at least one child. But it's Prince George after all, and it's not long before his eye is wandering again and he was taking on mistresses. As for Maria Fitzherbert, she was a little less than thrilled about not being recognized as George's wife. Not great. Maria also doesn't love having to put up with his gambling, his womanizing, and his mounting debt. This is so unusual. Let me introduce a new character, the seductive Lady Jersey. Lady Jersey, you say? Lady Jersey. George's eye is going to soon enough turn to the seductive Lady Jersey. Now, the prince has always really liked the older ladies, But the thing with Lady Jersey, she is clever, she's cunning, and she is a big-time social climber interested in improving her position and role at court. Lady Jersey, the royal mistress at this time, is a mother of ten and already a grandmother when she and George become lovers. (laughs) Seems right. Lady Jersey knew that she could manipulate George into marrying for money while improving her own status by putting her lover in a better financial position. When the time came, she was able to convince George to accept the arranged marriage that his father wanted. Lady Jersey demands to become a lady of the bedchamber to his wife. Pressure's closing in on all sides for George. Eventually, George is so broke that he has to go to his dad when Parliament refuses to increase his allowance. George III agrees to pay his son's debts under one condition. What do you think that condition is? You gotta marry the right person. Yep, that's exactly it. You gotta marry who I say. I say. Mm-hmm. King George III chooses the daughter of his sister, which would make this Prince George's first cousin. Hmm. Nothing ever goes wrong in those sorts of marriages. Her name is Carolina Brunswick. And when Prince George is told of his father's choice for his bride, George reportedly says, One damn German Frau is as good as another. Cool guy. Prince George, who was 32 years old at the time, isn't happy about this predicament, but, you know, decides he has to go through with the marriage. But let me just let you know, friends, this marriage was a match made in hell. George and Caroline hate each other. They loathe each other and they do not try to hide their dislike and hatred for one another. Upon meeting his bride for the first time, George was, quote, horrified by her face. Her ugly dress and most of all, her pungent smell, unquote. Wow. He quickly went to the corner of the room and reportedly fanned himself vigorously 
while crying to his valet, I am not well. Pray get me a glass of brandy. So that's, that's, what a meat cute. No, it's a meat terrible. So, meat terrible on the other side, Caroline isn't too impressed with her soon-to-be groom either. She says to her lady-in-waiting, I find him very fat and nothing as handsome as his portrait. (laughs) Your profile picture was so good. (laughs) Catfish. This has been happening forever, hasn't it? At the actual wedding, which takes place in 1795, George is so drunk he can't stand up. He tries to back out a few times. And was prodded back in tears, crying every time by his father. Lord Melbourne's account of how Prince George behaved at his wedding was recorded to be that, yikes, you ready for this? The prince, quote, looked like a man doing a thing in desperation. It was like Macbeth going to execution and he was exquisitely drunk, unquote. So the wedding day was so good, how do you think the wedding night's going to go? Oh, my God. Yeah. It is no great success either. The bride was pretty forthcoming with details of her groom. Caroline of Brunswick says that George spent most of the night sleeping in the fireplace where he fell and I left him. (laughs) Wow. But to be fair... George and Caroline do their royal duty because nine months later, their only child, Princess Charlotte of Wales, was born. George later claims they only consummated their union a total of three times. Two on the wedding night, once the next evening, and after that, never again. Despite all of his womanizing ways, George later wrote, It required no small effort to conquer my aversion and overcome the disgust of her person. These are terrible. Terrible. It's trashy royals, Ben. Okay. What does this marriage allow George to do? He is able to pay off his substantial debts, at least for the time. But George is kind of a terrible husband. He's openly cruel to his wife. And shortly after that marriage, he takes away all of her jewelry. Just to be spiteful. Well, he takes it all away, saying you just can't afford it, but then gives all of her jewelry to his mistresses. Lady Jersey. No, just Uh, the one. Just the one. Mm -hmm. And remember, Lady Jersey is is now in the bedchamber. Right. So Lady Jersey wears those jewels and flaunts them in front of Caroline. As a lady in waiting or whatever. Like, ugh, great. George and Caroline never lived together, and quite frankly, once Charlotte was born, they lived completely separate lives. Sounds like that's best for both of them. After many years of their sham marriage, George was so desperate to rid himself of his wife that he attempted to divorce her by accusing her of adultery. There's a parliamentary trial that occurs, but ultimately, George would be unable to legally divorce Caroline because... There was no evidence of that adultery. Also, it had to just be a joke among Parliament because it's not like he was not committing adultery. It's a joke with Princess Caroline, too. This is Uh, one of my favorite lines in history. You ready for this? Caroline defends herself by saying that she had only committed adultery once in her life with the husband of Mrs. Fitzherbert, the king. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yikes. Big diss. George will get his revenge, though, because when George was finally going to be coronated in 1821 after all those years as regent, like a decade, 10 years as regent, George refuses to allow Caroline to attend. It's amazing the monarchy survived this. The king and queen hate each other. (laughs) She's not even invited to the coronation. She'd been living in exile. But when she finds out that her husband is about to be king, Mm -hmm. she goes to London to be crowned alongside her husband because that was kind of the rule, the thing you do. Want the big hat. When Princess Caroline tries to enter Westminster Abbey, the doors were slammed in her face and the guards stood pointing bayonets at her neck if she attempted to enter. Just give her the hat, man. She's put up with you sort of for a long time. Give her the hat. Well, here's the sad thing for poor Caroline. She dies two months later. A lot of folks believe that she was being poisoned just to get her out of the way. Mysterious death. Nobody knows. Wow. Mm-hmm. Don't go back to London. Hmm. So now King George IV. Single. <laughs> uh, throughout his time as Prince of Wales during the Regency years when he was the de facto king and during his own reign as king is kind of a preposterous and laughable character. He's lambasted in cartoons relentlessly. But to be fair, all of this criticism was pretty much based in truth. George IV indulges himself excessively with food, alcohol, women. Anything George wants is anything George gets. The newspapers will call him the quote-unquote Fat Adonis. (laughs) I guess he looked at that and was like, well, but at least I'm an Adonis. Probably. So throughout his years as Prince of Wales, Regent, and then King, George fathered several illegitimate children and spent lavishly racking up as much as 65 million pounds in today's money by some accounts. I just, this is a staggering amount of debt. Not debt. That's what he spent. Oh, this is a staggering (laughs) amount of spending. Hey, big spender. Okay, George IV's own senior aide wrote about the king in his private diary. (laughs) A more contemptible, cowardly, selfish, unfeeling dog does not exist. There have been good and wise kings, but not many of them. And this, I believe, to be one of the worst. Wow. On the day of George's funeral... There were many street parties, impromptu dances, literally dancing in the streets. Inside, for his funeral, his younger brother, the Duke of Clarence, now King William IV, reportedly bounced up the aisle, quote unquote, beamed with happiness and chatted excitedly with acquaintances. Duke of Clarence, now the king, loving life. Yeah. Best day ever. So no no tears spilled no, for the no, loss of his brother? Not at all. King George IV, his life and reputation may be summed up best by what the Times wrote upon his death. There was never an individual less regretted by his fellow creatures than this deceased king. What eye has wept for him? Oh my God. What heart has heaved one throb 
of unmercenary sorrow. If he ever had a friend, a devoted friend in any rank of life, we protest that the name of him or her never reached us. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Oof. That's trashy uncle number one. Yeah, that's the opposite of squad goals right there. Let's go ahead and talk about trashy uncle number two. This is Frederick, Duke of York and Albany. Remember Prince Frederick is the one that dad likes? He's handsome. He's charming. He, like Everybody likes him a little bit better than George. Prince Frederick, though, Duke of Albany, will play a significant role in Victoria's story through his lack of, keyword legitimate, children, (laughs) and also dying prior to Victoria. Had Prince Frederick outlived his older brother, George IV, he would have become king upon George's death. But because he died before George IV without any legitimate heir, the crown passed to his younger brother, who is now William IV, putting Victoria one step closer to being sovereign. Had Frederick had a living legitimate heir, that child would have become monarch instead. In 1826, the Duke of York does become seriously ill after suffering for a long time from gout and dropsy. In January of 1827, the Duke of York died at the age of 63, leaving William, Duke of Clarence, next in line to the throne. With the Duke of Clarence, now heir presumptive, King George IV was not as happy because he much more preferred his brother Frederick. At the Duke of York's funerals and after seeing William, Duke of Clarence, the king turned to Princess Livin and said, Look at that idiot. They will remember me if ever he is in my place. Mm-hmm. Holy cats, there's so much happening with all these guys at one time. So let's talk about trashy uncle number three. William IV, this is Duke of Clarence. William, Duke of Clarence, does become King William IV at the age of 64, which up into that time was the oldest person to become sovereign. Interesting. King Charles III now Mm -hmm. holds that record, ascending to his throne at the age of 73. William IV was pretty eager to overcome the debauched and extravagant reputation of his brother, George IV. William's a little bit more down-to-earth. His prime ministers and other statesmen speak of him about being far more diligent and hardworking than his predecessor. Sounds like that wouldn't take much, though. I mean, not a lot. William wants the people of England to like him, and he makes many efforts to be popular. Emily Eden, who is an English poet and novelist, wrote, He is an immense improvement on the last unforgiving animal (laughs) who died growing sulkily in his den at Windsor. This man at least wishes to make everybody happy, and everything he has done has been benevolent. However, I hate to bust your buttons, William IV was far from being a great king. He's a little bit buffoonish. He has a head, not look-shaming here, but he does have a head that comes to an almost perfect point. Oh, no. Which gives him the nickname of Coconut. Oh, no. 
And although his reign sees many significant and necessary reforms, Old King Coconut also (laughs) had a number of deadly riots and instability in the country, so his reign is not going to go down as a great success. Now, to be fair, William is much more likable than his brother George, but William also carries a lot of his own baggage. First, earlier in his life, he had lived for over two decades as a married couple with the comic actress. Her name is Mrs. Dorothea Jordan. (laughs) Mrs. Dorothea Jordan and William had 10 illegitimate but recognized kids. William dotes on his five sons and five daughters. But these 10 illegitimate children were not his only illegitimate offspring. They're just the ones he claimed and acknowledged. William retires from the Navy at the age of 24 and being on the bad side of his father for not marrying a bride of King George III's choosing, old William was forced to rely on the wages of Mrs. Jordan. This kept him in some pretty serious debt, not as bad as his brother, about 50,000 pounds, which would be a little over 4 million pounds in today's money. Like, really, you're going to rely on the actor lady? Because those kids get expensive. You got 10 kids, they get older, they need more video games. This whole country needs birth control. Go ahead. As his 10 children get older... Old William is going to need even more money to buy military commissions for Mm -hmm. his sons and dowries for his daughters. This leaves William looking for an heiress first before he finally goes to dad. Like, okay, find me a foreign princess. But when Princess Charlotte died, remember, daughter of his brother, Whoa, all bets are off. Now the succession is up for grabs because she was the only legitimate grandchild of George III. So now William, off to the races. He needs to marry a suitable European princess and produce some offspring real quick. William agrees to marry Princess Adelaide of Saxe-Meningen, who is 27 years his junior. This isn't the only wedding that happens that day because Princess Charlotte's death, again, off to the races. William and Princess Adelaide get married in a double wedding ceremony along with Prince Edward, Duke of Kent, and Victoria, Dowager Princess of Leningen. These two will become Queen Victoria's parents. Hang on to Prince Edward. We're going to talk about him in just a second. Let's go back to William and Princess Adelaide. Princess Adelaide was 26 years old. She does come with a hefty dowry, which is nice for William, as William is 53 years old and possesses a lot of hefty debts. Seems to run in the family. Princess Adelaide, though, was kind and devoted. She accepted William's now adult children and welcomed them to live with her. And Princess Adelaide quickly becomes pregnant two times. But Princess Adelaide and Prince William have no surviving children. That first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. The second child was a daughter who died sadly at the age of three months old. This is, I mean, it's terrible. But also it's almost a comedy of errors. 
in this royal family. 100%. The Hanoverians loops. Joke. Mm-hmm. So after it's clear that Princess Adelaide is not going to produce a living heir, right? Now we got the big flash bulbs. Obvious that Prince Edward, Duke of Kent, would be the next in line after William. Next after Edward, Duke of Kent, would be his children. But nobody knows at this time, at this double wedding, that the Duke of Kent would be soon to die shortly after the birth of his daughter, Victoria. This is pretty substantial because if Prince Edward, Duke of Kent, had lived, he would have preceded her to the throne. Mm -hmm. His death was even more substantial in that it meant baby Victoria would have no younger siblings especially a younger uh. brother, if the Duke of Kent had lived, doubtless he and his wife would have tried for more kids, hopefully sure. a son. And if a son had been born to the Duke of Kent, Victoria would not have ascended the throne because her brother would have bypassed her in the line of secession. That is primogeniture, is that? Correct. Okay. A little bit of an interesting fact here. There are still several surviving titled descendants of William IV and Dorothea Jordan. Huh. The list of peerages currently held by King William IV's descendants are the Duke of Fife, the Marquesses of Butt and Townsend, <laughs> the Earls of Errol, Portland, Gainsborough, and Liverpool, as well as the Baron of Kilmarnock. Those all sound made up. They're not. They're no, real they, peerages. They do sound made up. The seventh and last Earl of Munster, who died in 2000, was also a direct descendant of William IV. I hope he was a cheesemaker. Other notable descendants of William IV are Prime Minister David Cameron hmm. and diplomat Duff Cooper, the husband of Diana Cooper and lover of Gloria Guinness, among many others. Had William IV's children been legitimate, all of these people would have been in line to the throne far ahead of Queen Elizabeth, her family. The mm -hmm. Nope, wouldn't have happened. Victoria would have never been queen had right. any of these kids been legitimate, but they all still get royal peerages. Sure. Now, the thing I need you to know about King William IV is he despised Victoria's mother, the <laughs> Duchess of Kent. He privately and publicly criticizes her, and the two, Duchess of Kent and King William IV, are open enemies. This is the worst family in the world. I love the story, the <laughs> Hanoverians. Wow. Okay, so what does all this dislike come from? The dislike about the Duchess really comes from her companion, John Conroy. Mm -hmm. John Conroy, because remember the Duke of Kent, yeah, dead. Out, and yeah. the Duchess is going to take a new lover, sure. John Conroy. And John Conroy controls Princess Victoria like nobody's business. And King William IV doesn't like this. He doesn't like that John Conroy is in charge of his niece and heir presumptive. King William wants to have Victoria at court with him, but Victoria's mom and John Conroy are like, heck no. We are not letting Victoria out of our sights and our control. The Duchess and John Conroy required the strict adherence of what they call the Kensington system, 
We'll talk about that more in the future, but the Kensington system was their highly structured and quite suffocating way of keeping Victoria under their thumbs. Now, towards the end of his reign, it was known that William was really, really sick, and a lot of folks thought he was going to die way before he actually died. What is the king doing? He is holding on for his niece to turn 18. He feared, rightfully so, mm-hmm. that if he were to die prior to Victoria's 18th birthday... That a regency would ensue. Exactly. And these two would run the country. You, I, the next sentence of my story. He fears that the Duchess of Kent and John Conroy, by association, would serve as regents for the underage queen... Willie doesn't want that. Knowing that Conroy is power-hungry, he's nefarious, he desperately wants control of the crown, King William IV holds on (laughs) and dies less than one month after Victoria turned 18. Wow. So she no longer needed a regent. So maybe that was a good thing that this really wacky, messed-up family managed to accomplish. Upon the death of William IV, Victoria would be queen and would be able to rule without any control of her mother or Conroy, and pretty much as soon as that happens, Victoria out. Again, more stories for a future day. Sure. Last up, of the trashy uncles. Sure, last one, best one. I don't know about that. Prince Ernest, Duke of Cumberland. He's kind of the worst. Prince Ernest is nothing if not a villain. His family knows it. Oh, right. He's the one who perhaps had tried to have Victoria killed. That's the one. Mm. He's a bad guy, Prince Ernest. He plays a role in Victoria's story because Prince Ernest was next in line, putting Prince Ernest in the position to benefit the most by the untimely death of Victoria. In fact, there have been many suspicions and rumors that he did attempt to have his niece killed before and after she became queen. Yikes. So Victoria's extremely strict upbringing in the Kensington system was developed in part due to the fear that Prince Ernest, Duke of Cumberland, would try to kill her as she's the only obstacle between he and the crown he wants. Right. When Queen Victoria goes into labor... With her first child, Prince Ernest rushed to Buckingham Palace to be on site in case she died in childbirth. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. What a grim dude. He wasn't shy about wishing that his niece wouldn't survive childbirth, which although we've made some advancements since the Tudor times, childbirth's still a very dangerous venture for women, even royal women in those days. Well, and Queen Victoria had a lot of kids, right? So many kids, different trashy royals for a different day. Sure. But remember, it was Ernest's other niece, Charlotte's death in childbirth that allowed for Victoria to be queen. Right. All right, Duke of Cumberland, yikes. His dislike and jealousy of Victoria. Pretty intense, but they're not his only fault, old Ernest. He is known as the Evil Duke. He was a strong opponent to Catholic emancipation and fights in the House of Lords to keep Catholics from gaining any political rights. He was also disliked for many of his other extremely conservative views. 
Unlike his brothers, who were overindulgent and spoiled and greedy and rakish, Ernest was accused of far more malicious and even more downright evil acts. His most horrendous suspected act was rape and incest. He was accused of, and many believed Ernest to be the father of his sister, Princess Sophia's illegitimate son. Like I said, really messed up family. We'll wait for the true crime bit. Okay, so maybe I've slept with my sister and fathered her child, but that's, that's bad. Close second, possibly his uh, murdering of his own ballot. Oh, my God. So while the official cause of death was ruled a suicide, the Duke was thought by many to have murdered his ballot, and an official inquest was launched into his suspicious death. This accusation Ernest never lived down. Good. Another scandalous action of old Ernest, the Duke of Cumberland, involved a politician and lawyer named Lord Lyndhurst, three times the Lord High Chancellor of Great Britain. Now, Lord Lyndhurst throws the Duke out of his home because the Duke decided to assault the Lord's wife, Sarah. (sighs) We're so close. (laughs) Trashy uncles, there's only so much you can fit in. Okay, another tragic situation involving the Duke happened when it was reported that he was having an affair with Lady Graves. Lady Graves is the wife of his Lord of the Bedchamber. Lady Graves was the mother of 15 children. Oh, my God. And Lord Graves responded to these scandalous rumors by writing a note to his wife, expressing his confidence that she is innocent of all the charges, and then Lord Graves cuts his own throat. Jeez. The list of scandals and wrongdoings by the Duke of Cumberland, old Ernest, goes on and on and on and on, but one of his biographers calls him the most unpopular man in England. That's pretty much the drift. To make matters worse, (laughs) is there a worse? I don't know. Not only did the Duke behave like a villain, but he looked like one too. Early in his life, he was wounded in battle against France, resulting in Prince Ernest losing an eye and severely scarring his face, causing all paintings of him to be in profile to avoid fully showing... Yeah, like he has a literal good side. A literal good side. Or perhaps a literal bad side, but anyway. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. I will say that Ernest does have one victory over Victoria. The English kings were also the kings of Hanover until Victoria, because Hanover specifically did not allow for a female to be their monarch. So although Ernest did not succeed his brother, William IV, to the English throne, he did succeed him to the Hanoverian throne. As a result, Prince Ernest, Duke of Cumberland, becomes Ernest Augustus I, King of Hanover on the same day that Victoria becomes Victoria, Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. And that is the Trashy Royals tale of Princess Alexandrina Victoria and all of her trashy uncles. Oh my God, the worst family I've ever heard of. I don't know how many 
trashy crowns any of those folks get. It like <laughs> lots unlimited fifty million pounds yeah. of trashy crowns. There aren't a lot of heroes in that story. Really not. There are like moments of light heroism and that's about it. That's about it. Wow. So while all that other stuff has been happening over in Russia, I just wanted to catch everybody up Mm -hmm. on what's been happening in England throughout sort of that same time. I know there was a lot packed in that story. We will unpack Much of that in the future, as well as get into the Victorian reign Mm -hmm. and some good trash candy that happened in the 19th century. It's interesting that it was preceded by so much chaos, because I think of the Victorian era as fairly stable. Victoria, she ruled for for seven decades. Why Mm -hmm. do you think she wants to be so stable? Have you met my trashy uncles? Yeah, no kidding. Mm -hmm. Friends... Thanks for assembling at the Court of the Trashy Royals today. I hope that was enough. Nobles behaving naughtily. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. That was an (laughs) excellent story. Wow. Hope that suffices until we meet again next Thursday. How does that country still have a monarchy? Given that. Real questions. Real, real questions. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you spending your time with us, for your kind reviews, for your ratings, for your awesome emails. Until we see you again next week, I'm going to say, keep your eye on the throne. Mm -hmm. Keep your eye on your uncles. (laughs) Have a tremendous week, everybody. Bye. Bye.